Welcome to the CWDW Near and Far podcast, where we explore perspectives of the Walt Disney World Resort from 10 miles to 1,000 miles away. I am Mike, the far in this equation. And I'm John, the near in this equation. So today we're going to continue our series on, on the experiences at Disney that just take us back, whether it's a smell, whether it's just an experience, a ride, or, or what have you. Uh, this is part three in the series, and we're going to cover Epcot today. So, John, you want to go ahead and start off and just explain a little bit about what we're going to do? All right. We're going to discuss uh, thoughts, um, memories of Epcot, and not just any memories or thoughts, the ones that come to you when you think of vacations, when you think of going back to Walt Disney World. Um, and you know, when, when you go to Epcot, what are the flashes of memories that come to mind and, uh, and basically make us want to go back to Epcot, experience these things again. Right. Okay. So John, you want to start us out with the first experience? Well, my first experience and usually on vacation, we would go to Epcot in the morning. We would open it up at least probably at least twice a trip, maybe even more. But living here, we don't really do that often now. But just being at Epcot in the morning when you get there, when you get off the bus, when you get out of your car and you get uh, through security and you're at the entrance, the the entrance music would just kind of be blaring through the speakers and all exciting, exciting clips from all the rides around the park. And it really just made you feel good and feel like you're finally here you look up spaceship earth is in front of you they have all this great background music playing the sun is shining the monorails going over your head as you're going in and again it's not even on any ride it's just being there in the morning and getting there and you know waiting in line can be unpleasant but for some reason the memories of being there and just that feel at the Epcot entrance really reminds me of Disney and vacation. And even after I moved here, one of my favorite things to do, it would be like after work, I would go and visit Epcot just to walk around for a little while. And it's it would always bring me back when I get through and I'm walking through the entrance and just the background music and Spaceship Earth. And every time I got there, I'd think to myself, I can't believe this is just a couple of miles from my house now, like that I can come here whenever I want. So I'm it's so always jealous. special. Well, don't be too, too jealous. Unfortunately, the entire entrance is pretty much demolished at this point. So <laughs> I almost, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much longer that background music has either. So I, it's not oh, well. nice to me, but I hope they run out of money and just <laughs> let it go. You know, I don't even care. Just leave leave it alone. <laughs> oh, don't say that about the background music. Man, I love that, too. Oh, no. it, it's funny you said about the entrance. Man, we always parallel in some way, shape, or form in these things. Uh, I put down the... Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to mention the Leave a Legacy monoliths. They're gone now. And uh, but that is something that reminded me of the of uh, vacation at Disney World. Uh, my niece and my mother took my oldest daughter down there uh, on a trip, and 
when they were starting out the whole leave a legacy monolith, it was kind of around that time period. And so they went ahead and bought one of those pictures, you know, with the messages and everything that are on those monoliths. And it's always kind of a neat thing for us to start our trip to Epcot out looking for that image on the monoliths. Obviously, you can't do it anymore. Uh, I, I guess there was a rumor that they were going to put it somewhere else, like outside <laughs> the park somewhere. I don't know, but I, I have a feeling they're gone. Yeah, I have but, a feeling that's pretty low on their priority list. Yeah, I think so. They would, they definitely would like to want to do that, but I would think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But uh, I, I, there's I've no money done. in it for them, but you know. I've never done the, the uh, Leave a Legacy, and the sad part is. I kind of wish I did because I went on multiple vacations back in the day when I forget what it was that you'd, you'd book a, a package through Expedia and it would include a bunch of stuff and they would always include a leave a legacy um, picture on there. And I can tell you that I'm like, you know, why would I want a picture I can barely see on a piece of metal? I was like, I, and then there'd always be like a line and I'd be like, nah, let's go ride a ride. I don't know. We don't have time for that. So <laughs> I could have had multiple pictures on there and I just never did. Like it didn't appeal to me for some reason. So, wow. Yeah, no, it, it's, it was always neat to kind of go to the front of the park and just on entrance, just go right there. And maybe my wife is over getting a, what do you call it? a stroller getting a stroller for the kids and it, it's great it was great because that particular picture the leave a legacy picture that they bought was pretty close to the stroller rental and mm. so i kind of knew where it was every time it just took me a while to find it and through the process of renting a stroller you know sometimes and, and getting the kids in and doing all that stuff it would take some time and then the amount of time between then and and when she actually came over to meet with me i would find it so uh yeah that that really reminds me of vacation it's a part that won't be there anymore but uh, it, it it's just kind of a neat experience that we had yeah when we entered epcot and while you were doing that spaceship earth was over top of you monorails were going by yeah. you. the background music was playing so it was a great place to wait and look for look for pictures you know like it does make sense that those, those two things are related and i actually did like the the uh, mono list too but i liked them because i feel like they provided some quiet spots for me like once i moved here sometimes on the way out of the park, I would go all the way over on the right and you could sit on like the edge of a planter and the monoliths were all right there. And most people didn't go back there. So it was right next to a speaker. So the music would be coming out. It felt like a little private spot, out mm -hmm. in Ep you know, in the front of Epcot. And I've recorded many monorails riding by there because it'd be a great mm -hmm. place just to enjoy the atmosphere for just for a few minutes before I leave. And uh, yeah, I, I I hope that doesn't change at Epcot, too, that there were so many places to sit there, like, you know, low walls and planters and things, that there was just so much seating at Epcot. Mm -hmm. And Disney doesn't tend to like seating. Like, if you look at the Magic Kingdom, try to think of where you would sit at the Magic Kingdom. Ah, yeah. People end up sitting on the sidewalk. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the main place I can think, because they don't like you sitting much. That's a good point. No, I never thought of that, but that's true. I hope Very that true. doesn't change because I loved all that. Oh yeah, I loved that's... all the all the concrete seating areas that 
there weren't technically seating areas, but it sure did work well for yeah. it. Yeah, Walt did a lot of sitting around Disneyland, so you know, uh, there's the people would always describe him sitting on a bench, just people watching. So I, yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty sure people spend more when they on their feet. So yeah, that's true. I'm pretty sure the accountants said we need to get rid of these seats, and yeah. we'll watch revenues rise. Marketing. <laughs> Yeah. All right, is it my turn? It is your turn. Yeah. All right, and I know that we're trying to stay away from extinct attractions because, you know, we could do entire shows on extinct attractions at Epcot. But since my vacations were, you know, three to four years ago, one of, I'm, I'm going to include this one on that. And I could tie it to now, too, but the, uh, the Maelstrom ride in Norway... Oh. The yeah. part where you go backwards and you'd have that weird old music on, da 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 da, and you're going backwards, and the sight of polar bears as you're going backwards, like you <laughs> see the polar bears above you, and for some reason those polar bears and that little backwards sequence there always stuck with me. It wasn't the most exciting thing, but it was so unique. The music was music I never heard before or after, and. You know, it's it always like when I would think of Epcot, I would think of the da 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 and going backwards and polar bears in the dark. And that 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 thought always came to me when I thought about vacations. And it was one of the things that always brought me back. And now now the uh, it's actually the part of the let it go part of Frozen. (laughs) I and that's good, too. But. Like we we could do a whole show on this. That's a that's it's a good good ride and it's still good. Yeah. But hearing uh, Princess whatever her name is yelling to let it go does not make me want to get back to Disney. It's mm. I could watch that on Disney Plus right now, the whole movie, and it would be a good movie. But I don't I don't feel any particular urge to visit Epcot about it. And like I said, the the Maelstrom. The backward sequence in particular, uh, and now that I mention it, the mural at the end of the queue oh, too. Before yeah. you get on, it was very eighties. It was, <laughs> wasn't it? I always, I but always looked around it, and my wife would try to find the hidden Mickey in there, and it was just—it's a mural that you would never see anywhere else in the world. Again, Frozen is great and all. But it's everywhere. You can go to Walmart. They probably have a whole frozen section. So it's like, that's that's nice. But I don't need Epcot to see it. So it just doesn't make me think of vacation. So. Yeah, I, I really miss the Norwegian bearded dudes up on that mural, man, with the hard hats and the... <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't they have like a, like a fuel tank? Like a, I don't know, what do you call those out in the ocean? Those tanker things or whatever? Uh, yeah. drilling, drilling platform or uh, whatever? Speaking of that, at the end of the ride, that's an- another one that always gave me just a little bit. It gave you that scary feeling of being out in the rough oceans. When you went down the final splash hill yeah. and there was an oil rig in the distance and like lightning and the waves splashing against the walls, it felt just chaotic enough that it had that scary we're in the ocean and things are getting bad feel about it, you know? And uh, I, I don't know why that one always, like I said, it, it provided just enough scariness right at the yeah. end. So yeah. Just just a touch, like you'd, you'd leave with a little bit of adrenaline going, I guess. 
I think it was creepy in in some ways. You know, it had that like Norwegian kind of creepiness to it and yeah. awkwardness. And it was it's it's so different from what we would see in American culture that it just makes us feel kind of creepy. And I don't think it maybe was meant to be that way, or maybe it was. I don't know, but it just had that, like I said, that awkwardness. Well, and like, I loved it. I actually loved, I loved everything about that ride. It was so weird. And it's like, it kind of goes with your theme when you say keep Epcot weird, which I totally love. And uh, it, it fit. I mean, that, that era is over, but uh, it, it fit. Now we have to have Anna and Elsa tell us to let it go. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that's and it's a good okay. ride. It, it is. But I can tell you that I've been able, well, this is months ago now, but before all this virus stuff happened it was really easy to get a fast pass for that ride anymore i feel like the popularity has finally gone down to a normal thing and it's also has not been that difficult to get on in 30 to 40 minutes which i didn't ride maelstrom that much because it was typically 40 minute plus wait so i just didn't get around to doing it and so to me it's like how the frozen was a major upturn but it fizzles out over time. And I have a feeling that Disney I may find that a lot of their strict IP things have much higher queues and lines, but a much shorter lifespan with those high yeah. queues and lines. Cause like I said, it was uh, 2000 and I don't know, 14, something like that. I remember we went with a, a friend of an, another family we're friends with. And we didn't go on it that trip, and we wanted to. But every time we went by, we were like, oh, 50-minute wait. It's like, well, let's just do it next time or whatever. And I re- I remember the people that I went with never got to do it because we went back again in, like, 2016. It, it was it was closed by then, and it was gone. Mm-hmm. And I remember t- telling them, I wish we would have waited because now you'll never get to see it. But my point of that story is the ride was there since the 80s, and it still had a 40 40- minute plus wait it was still one of the more difficult fast passes to get at epcot and so when they say well it didn't have the attention it's like it did have enough attention it was never empty when i saw it and frozen was beginning to get down to the levels where that was where you could get on it in 40 minutes or so anytime so to me that's not a good deal the the maelstrom had consistent crowds for whatever 25 30 years of frozen after just a few is into that and i'll say the same thing about the great movie ride we talked about it in the last podcast but similar thing mickey is not holding up the the uh the wait times where the great movie ride i know because i watched the opening sequence so many times every time i got in line that it was not small lines no it was never small lines it was Never. never an easy ride just to walk in and go on yeah, and and those loaders too. The loading in the uh, in the great movie ride were so huge that it probably should have been a little more efficient, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't. You know, um, for my next one, I'm going to go back to the front of the park, and I'm going to say Spaceship Earth. And it may seem like a cop out, but honestly, there's nothing that reminds me more of Epcot than Spaceship Earth. I mean, it's the weenie, it's the icon, you know, for the park, and. You know, it's how you start the day off. Uh, most people go there, and I have to admit, like, I want to, I always want to be counter to this when I go into a park. I don't want to go to the place where everyone else goes 
but unfortunately it just almost it, it's it almost feels like it's something you have to do when you go into epcot you know you got to go to the ball the big golf ball or whatever you want to call it and that's typically what the kids want to do and the lines usually aren't horribly long but i guess that sort of depends on the time of year you're there uh, but you know, the kids are always amazed that there's a ride inside that great big ball because you know, at magic kingdom, you can't ride a ride in the castle. So it's, it's just, a, an actual functioning park icon. And, you know, once you get in there, the things that bring back Epcot for you, you know, the smell of Rome burning, you know, the thank the Phoenicians and things like that, even though thank the Phoenicians is a little more recent with the Dame Judy Dench script. It's still uh, a pretty iconic thing to say nowadays. So uh, I'm just going to say that. And even the interactive ending that was added in the last refurbs um, over the last, uh, what, 10, 15, 20 years, just uh, things that, take me back to my park experience there at Epcot, uh, particularly with my growing family over the last 20 years. It's just something that my kids really enjoy, and it's just always really cool to see how excited they are to ride Spaceship Earth when we get there and, you know, how they uh, love that little interactive feature at the end and how much fun that is. But that's it, that's it for me. Yeah, I have to... Uh, I definitely have to agree with that one. I... I feel similarly, and the, the thought that always caught my attention was uh, walking into the entryway to Spaceship Earth, the sounds, the click, click, click of the track. You could hear the beginning narration about, you know, take your seat, whatever, whatever. And and it just, I, I, I recently did a thing on uh, Instagram just literally at the end walking into the ride and getting in the seat and it's uh the reach is 70,000 people 3,150 people liked it and that tells you that is a real thing and it's not exciting at all it's literally the part where they go how many and you say your number and then you go and sit down and that is how popular it is i just put up the entire seven doors mine train that got like 700 likes. It's like, wow. So literally stepping on the spaceship Earth, and I'm looking at it now. Let's see if you can hear it. Can you, can you hear it? Yeah, really well. Anyway, that gives you a good example of it's amazing that that video is more popular than the i could put up the rise of the resistance the most exciting part to it the most advanced technology the greatest part and it is a great ride it will get a fraction of oh. the likes of simply being asked how many people to get on spaceship earth and that's the connection that's what we're talking about yeah, in these yeah. shows it's not about the best rides it's about what connects to you and I really hope that Disney somehow someone remembers this because I did watch the Imagination series finally on Disney Plus and they know that this exists the Imagineers do at least I don't think I don't think the executives do or the uh, but the Imagineers know when they hit something they don't know how they got there 
they don't know exactly how to do it, but they know it when they get it. And that's, it's like an organic way of doing things that they, when they have it, they know it. And I feel like my Instagram account is a good test for that because again, why on earth, if you were to ask somebody, what would you ra- rather see? The, the, the most technological, impressive visual part to Rise of the Resistance, the most popular ride at Disney, or people getting into the cart on Spaceship Earth? Which one do you think would do better? Uh, you'd be surprised, <laughs> yeah. Disney. Don't don't keep going this route. You will be surprised. There's uh, uh, Rise of the Resistance is great, but don't get rid of all this stuff because you don't realize what's bringing people back. I think yeah. people could make the, the, the decision to skip Rise of the Resistance, but Spaceship Earth will call them back. That's the difference, you know. And that's, again, that's excellent, yeah, excellent. I points. don't for for me. That's not a guess. I pay attention to my own life, and that's what it is for me. If I still was on vacation, I wouldn't say, "Oh, I'm aching to get back to Rise of the Resistance." No, I will enjoy it, but I want to go on Spaceship Earth and ride Rise of the Resistance while I'm there. But they better, they got to be careful about what they're doing. Is my point? Yeah. With all that. Yeah, those are excellent points, Sean. A really great way of putting it, too, is uh, experience versus, you know, technology and and fandom, I guess. Fandom is another thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm a fan of Star Wars, but and, and I love Star Wars. And I watch the movies and the original movies from the 70s and 80s. They tug at my heartstring and, and pull up my spirit. But the Rise of the Resistance and Galaxy's Edge... Probably not so much. I haven't yeah. been there yet, but they're probably not going to. Whereas Spaceship Earth tugs at my heart. It tugs at I, my very spirit, you know? And you're right. I've been there countless times. And I could sit down and watch uh, uh, Star Wars A New Hope right now. And it would be such a moving movie. Uh, it, so much nostalgia, so much awesomeness. I don't have any of that feeling at all for Galaxy's Edge. It's neat. Yeah. It's interesting. When I think about Disney World, do I think, oh, I got to get back to Galaxy's Edge? No. And I don't think many people do. I think and you're I, right. I, it, it's very well done, but I don't. it's not moving people. And like I said, I hope Disney can realize this before it's too late and they don't have any. Because they are targeting all these rides that, that people don't know why they love them so much. They just do, you know. So I guess that was a piggyback on yours. So, okay. should I go? Yeah, go ahead. Back go ahead for another one. one. Yeah. Well, this may or may not surprise you, but this will be again one that I've proven through Instagram to be extremely popular. Even though Disney would probably tell you it's not popular and needs to be redone and uh, all that kind of stuff. Let me see if we can. Uh, Can you hear that? Yeah, perfectly. Now that is living with the land. Yep. And again, every time I ride that ride, I get off at the end and I'm like half asleep and I'm like, why do I love this so much? It's so, it's not exciting. It kind of puts you into a daze and at the end you're just like all right i I gotta stand up it's like but when you play like i could play that a hundred times over 
um, I could play that a hundred times over. People absolutely love it, and they all do. And I bet they can't explain why. And Disney's really on the kick of well, what movie is it from? How popular is the movie? It's got to be an IP. Why do people love uh, uh, living with the land so much? It's it's something you could only get at Epcot. You have to go there to get it. And again. I can watch Finding Nemo at home. I can watch Frozen at home, and they're nice. I, I don't feel any particular pull to go to the parks to see that. If I'm there, I'll see them, and I'll appreciate the rides, but I don't feel a pull to go back. It's the weird stuff that gets you, and like I said, they're, they're eliminating it one thing at a time, and uh, temporarily they may see things go up, or maybe I'm just an old weirdo, and I don't know anything, but based on... Based on what I see, I, I, I'm quite confident that I'm correct. Well, let me just say that if you're an old weirdo, I guess I am too, because I had that on my list as well. And, well, you know. Well, then, based on my Instagram statistics, the people that follow me are not old weirdos, and they all seem to love it too. So yes. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. it's more, I think it's a lot more universal than we think. And yeah. uh, I, again... It's it's surprising when you put up these boring Epcot rides that I'm sure Disney would say, you know, nobody likes these. That is the things that really connect with people. So, yeah, in my case and what I had written down for that particular ride and that experience is that it was always a thing when my older kids would go on a ride with one of the adults, you know, whether it would be me or whether it be my wife, the other adult would take the other kids, the younger kids on living with the land so obviously that's just been since soren has been in there but my connection to living with the land goes way back i mean that thing was has been around i believe pretty close to since park opening and it hasn't really changed all that much so i just even as a kid loved going on that ride just watching all the plants in the greenhouse actually people working i was always fascinated by the fact that there are actually people working at Disney with in partnership with NASA and some other organizations and companies uh, in their greenhouse. And there's actually research going on there and science and things like that. I was always fascinated but by that as a kid. I did the behind the seeds tour a couple of times. <clears throat> and on a side note, it's one of the, it's, it's, it's one of the best, um, cheapest tours that you can do it's only like 30 dollars or something i was always fascinated by the fact that they use the food there at the parks like they grow tomatoes and the tomatoes get used they grow lettuce and the lettuce gets used i've already seen chefs come in there and do things and like like to pick up something in particular like they come and pick out which uh, winter melon that they want and they take it away like they're dressed in the chef outfit so huh. it's almost like a grocery store of sorts too wow yeah that's great i it's just uh even going through the part where they have fish and they used to have alligators like small alligators in that one tank i don't know if they still do or not i think the last time we went there last year they didn't have the alligators in there for some reason but uh, the reason is the uh, incident at the grand floridian with the kid oh uh, i see and then at that exact time i remember somebody asked and they said that we did we learned ev everything we could about the alligators in our research that we got 
they of course they would never admit that's why they got rid of it but yeah it, nobody wanted to think about alligators and Disney yeah. for a little while. that makes sense that makes sense but yeah I, I was always fascinated by all that like i said even as a kid and my kids love it and for whatever reason you know it's not the most exciting ride of course but it's calm it's really cool in there uh, it's just a, a neat educational attraction and i think that's what epcot used to be you know is mm -hmm. a big part of what epcot used to be and it's still there so yeah I, I living in with the land was on my list as well john so yeah and just the 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 sights that the fresh air of the greenhouses like you can smell like it's just oh yeah it's just so nice between the disney water and yeah. greenhouses there's no better combination i was like it's yeah. really nice so that's a great point you go ahead and do the next one, John, since I kind of tailed off on that with you. So, Well, this this is my last one that I have written down, but I'm sure we could talk about this all day. But I wanted to do something in World Showcase. And when I think of World Showcase and Disney World, I we always would go to the Japan Pavilion. And I don't know why the Japan Pavilion, I think we like the store. We liked, we'd always get Japanese candy to enjoy while we're there. And, uh, you know, uh, that they, they had various entertainment over the years. Right now, I think everybody's been let go, but they had the drummers, they had storytellers, the candy lady that was there. Oh, yeah. Um, I think her name was Mayazuki. Mm -hmm. She was one of only a handful of people in the world who could make candy sculptures and my daughter actually got one once like they made her a candy sculpture but every time we, we would go we would stop and watch her make candy sculptures and give them out to kids and all that and you know we'd always visit the store and there's no ride there but it's a deep pavilion it goes way back in and it's so well done and the department store there is so great and i don't know whenever i thought about vacations and disney Japan is the thing that stuck out to me on as far as World Showcase goes that to me was a big part of my vacation like I would never go on vacation and not visit the Japan Pavilion I, I love the Japan Pavilion and you're right the store in particular my son really loves he's he's really into the Pokemon phenomenon and how big that is in Japan man you can see that in that store you got Pikachu's everywhere in that store. Nintendo stuff. He just he just loves that. Oh yeah, the store is so fun. It's got such bright, colorful things, and it goes into whatever's popular in Japan at the time. And you know, the the store is always great. It has reasonably priced things too. Like I remember we bought a small rice bowl, and it had like a picture, like a cat in it. Like a, it was like a but I think it was only like five dollars, and we mm. used it for our very small chihuahuas bowl. You know, we we're like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. this would be perfect for that." And the price is not outrageous at all. So yeah. the candy is a little expensive, but it travels far. So I guess it... the gardens are really beautiful in there too. I think I, I uh, really love them. Yeah, I don't know about now too, but I used to go back to that restaurant all the way in the back. It's like up the hill at the top of the gardens. There'd be the little quick service restaurant back there. And that used to have the best, the lowest price meal in all of Epcot that I ever found. And what it would be was just like teriyaki chicken. So you get a chicken breast, a salad, and some rice. 
and it would be like ten dollars and i'd be like that's very low price for eating an epcot you know and and it seemed to stay that way you know i it, it could be higher now but mm. yeah for sure <clears throat> that was a good one i like that i, I really uh, love the J- japan pavilion one of my favorites of all of them so mine is going to be maybe a little controversial compared to you know or maybe a little controversial in today's environment maybe even with you john i don't know we'll see but drinking around the world is something that granted has gotten a little out of hand at times at epcot but i've been doing this for years drinking around the world before it became such a drunken Oktoberfest, which is kind of what it, I think it's devolved into. Uh, you hear stories every year of people getting out of hand with the alcohol around Epcot. And, uh, and I've heard stories and there's all kinds of uh, posts on social media out there and things like that about bad behaviors, but I don't go nuts I try and take a sample of all of the countries, like of their beers or their selections of alcohol. I'm not a big drinker, but I really like the the culture around the alcohol that they have at the different countries. Like in China, they have rice beers, they have margaritas in Mexico, you know, the grapefruit beer in Germany, and in the UK, I always get a bass ale, but that's a big part of that for me, uh, culture, uh, culturally, how the, the beers are differentiated in each one of the country or each one of those countries or the alcohol is different. And it almost is like a part of the cultural experience in those countries, the, the alcohol. Uh, so I, like I said, I don't go nuts and I don't recommend other people going crazy there. People just get out of control. And if they took the alcohol away from World Showcase tomorrow, I'd be okay with that. I could live with that. But that really reminds me of my trips. And that's something that my wife mentioned to me. She said, you know, you do the you do the beers around the World Showcase. That's something that you do in your traditional Epcot experience. And I was like, yeah, that is like part of the experience for me. So I'm going to say the kind of drinking around the world, not in a bro kind of way, but in a experience and cultural kind of way. I really love doing that. And again, I don't do it to get drunk. I do it to taste the differences in, in those offerings. And that's kind of, it's almost like a wine tasting to me. It's not really like a, let's go to Epcot and get drunk type of thing. I think a lot of people use it as that now. And that's unfortunate because I think originally the alcohol years ago was brought in as a cultural experience. And now it's kind of different. But that's, that's, that was my last one. Yeah. And I don't, I, I can't think of, I got a glass of wine in Epcot once during one of the food and wine festivals, or my wife did, I should say, and she thought it was terrible. So I was like, well, I'm not going to let it go to waste. <laughs> I couldn't drink it either. So I, I didn't like it either. And that's about the extent I don't do a lot of drinking at, at Disney World. But there's definitely nothing wrong with doing that. Like, And and like you said, the in recent years, the food and wine festival has gotten to the point where there have been you know, many drunken 
large drunken groups of people literally screaming and carrying on and saying inappropriate like i i could do a whole show on the bad things i've seen during food and wine festival when i make the mistake over and over again about just going there on friday night for a quick walk through it's like or saturday night it's like ooh, the stuff i've seen is not it's a it's a lot but again that doesn't apply to you there's there's nothing wrong with the moderately drinking around the world right yeah i mean that's the thing i i wouldn't want to spend the money to go on a Friday or Saturday well, night to get drunk at Epcot. You could go to how many bars well, in here's, the Orlando area. Here's, if you to do here's the problem. The problem isn't people like you. There are locals, and I've been told that that you could see people in the parking lot at Epcot during food and wine, like around like six or seven, literally drinking, like, you know, drinking alcohol to get their get everything started so as they go in they can just get a few more drinks and save some money but be drunk through epcot and yeah that's that's actually a thing like wow there i've heard i i forget when it was exactly but you know like maybe like six months ago the last food and wine uh disney security had to like stop some woman who still had the drink in her hand that she was drinking in her car when she got to the front entry gate yeah. she was drunk enough to think that they should let her through <laughs> <laughs> so that's the kind of thing you're dealing with it's not you know i want to taste all the alcohol from around the world there's a group of people that have decided being drunk at epcot is a great time and you know i one of my memories of that is too i uh, i i before illuminations ended i really wanted to uh, record it and the first my first attempt was ruined because a group of ladies came and stood by me and they were full-on drunk and yelling the entire time just screaming and yelling and you know the normal drunk talk of just babbling and then it pretty much ruined it for me luckily i live around here but i still didn't stay at Epcot that late very often but I could imagine if 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 I were on vacation and I wasn't coming back and that was the last time I could see illuminations I would have been quite upset instead I was just mildly irritated and again I didn't go and stand by them I had my spot it started they stumbled over right next to me and yelled the entire show That and that's the thing. There's always going to be someone obnoxious who's going to ruin the experience for other people. And yeah, it's just what do you do anytime you have alcohol around? That's why Walt Disney did not want alcohol in his parks. He didn't exactly want that experience. So yeah, yeah, and I, I'm not one to like. I'm not a teetotaler. Obviously, I drink a little bit, but by the same token, I don't drink to get blasted especially when i'm paying that much to go on a vacation it just never made sense to me. but maybe that's just me if if i was younger i might have a different perspective but still even when i was young putting that kind of money out for an experience and then just being in a state of mind where i couldn't necessarily remember it or enjoy it i told you just get pre-drunk in the parking lot and (laughs) save you a lot of money it's true yeah that's true but what i want to know about those people is too like around the food and wine how are they getting out of here at the end of the night because i hope the heck they're not driving away you know they're in the parking lot apparently like that one lady was you know that really makes and and i've already been I've already been leaving Epcot on one of these Saturday nights. 
and there's a part when you leave to for locals that kind of spins you around there's a tight turn that goes around and around i saw a car go right into the pole and, I, and i'm like <laughs> i wasn't surprised and yet i never hear about any drinking and driving incidents on disney property but i don't maybe there's a reason for that i don't know perhaps you never will yeah that's true okay john that should about wrap it up where can people find you online uh, they can find me at c.wdw on instagram c.wdw on facebook uh, c.uo on instagram and c wdw on youtube and like i said the youtube channel is the one we're trying to build up because in the big scheme of things that's the big dog in the equation yep i agree uh you can find me at the giant rat on instagram and the giant rat on twitter I'm not very active on there, but uh, there's some content on there. So if you want to check those out, go for it. You can reach the podcast at c.wdwnearandfar at gmail.com. We'll take comments, questions on the podcast, what you thought of the podcast. If you have any questions you want us to answer, you want us to do a Q&A episode someday, we'll be glad to do that we talked a little bit about that last week and so that'll do it we will see you next week on the cwdw near and far podcast thank you for joining us and stay safe on your adventures